When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beats, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. And, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Brendan Quinn, who is in a football practice facility watching golf in Wisconsin. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally like. a glass, Literally a glass box of emotion. Yeah, like a, he's in some sort of a weird, weird uh, case. It looks like at the Ryder Cup. So I'll coming, set, I'll set the scene, live. For folks. I'll set the scene. So this is these like the big golf events, the majors, and like Ryder Cup. They just make these enormous media centers that are just outrageous. Uh, right. And they have like these little like glass booths. I think it's more for like radio people or people doing video stuff, but I've snuck into one, and I'm assuming I will not get kicked out of this for the next for at uh, least, hour or For at so. least an hour or so. Yeah, hopefully. That's the goal. So anyway, we're not going to talk Ryder Cup today. We do have uh, some Michigan-Michigan State football to talk today, though, and uh, my man was at one of these games, as we talked about last week, fresh off your trip from Michigan State-Miami in, in South That's Beach. right. Can you, I think we're uh, going to get Mike. I think we're going to get Mike I, on board for this. We're efforting Zimmerman to come in here and talk to us about the Canes and uh, how Manny Diaz said that. Uh, the, I think he said yesterday that uh, Miami beat up Michigan State or something like that at the line of scrimmage or something. Despite I saw you asking or something like that. So we'll get Mike's perspective. But before we do that, uh, you're. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, he's joining us right now. <laughs> He's joining us right now he, before I uh, move on. Yeah. I was just going to cut forward, so bef- this is perfect. So before we get into it, Brennan was at the Michigan State-Miami game. Mike Zimmerman, <laughs> our producer, longtime suffering Miami fan. Uh, I don't know who to start with here. I guess, uh, Brendan, you want to take this away here? You guys have more skin in this than I did. In this I will uh, – wait, give me that Diaz quote again. He said that Miami pushed around yeah, Michigan Diaz, State. Diaz – so Diaz said, look at Mike's like rubbing his eyes. Mike wants Diaz gone. So Diaz said yesterday that like, because uh, they're going at him because people are pissed because Miami is yeah. in trouble here. And, you know, he said yesterday that he didn't think that the defense or uh, the offense had a culture issue because they beat up or they beat, uh, whipped. roughed up or whipped, whipped, whipped Michigan State's wow. defensive front in a game which they averaged 2.2 yards per carry and got generally mauled, so... Um, that's bold. Yeah. That's a bold statement. Yeah. Mike, All right, uh, Mike. I'm I'm just gonna throw out some takes here, but oh, and God. let's let's see how you're feeling. First of all, that stadium is a disaster. 
So for anyone who hasn't been there, it's the Dolphin Stadium. It's like in the outskirts, I think, of Miami. Would that be considered the outskirts? That's not their home stadium, though, right? No, that they've been playing there for oh, since 2008, since the Orange Bowl shut down. So they've been playing there for over a decade. I mean, they get, yeah, it they is basically that. just a stadium surrounded by some parking lots. <laughs> no apathy in the air other than, you know, a couple. How far is that freaking thing from your campus? 45 minutes. <laughs> That's a problem. What the hell is yep. going on down there? And I, I don't know if you guys were, uh, well, I know Brendan wasn't. Nick, I don't know if you saw on the, uh, when you watched mm-hmm. it the next morning, they had a trivia question for, there are three uh, FBS programs who are at least 15 miles away. They play 15 miles away. From yeah, I think camp. I did see this. And it's yeah. like the fact that there's only three FBS teams, that's a problem. <laughs> right. And, and I, think, I, think, I think one of them is UCLA, which, I mean, if you're playing at the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl, I mean, that's, you know. Fair. They're on the opposite side of where campus is in Miami. Like Miami campus is on Co- the bottom. Coral Gables. Coral which Gables is, is south Miami. of downtown yeah. Miami. And Miami Gardens is like way the hell up there. Like we took a when I covered the Orange Bowl, they they took us on a uh, they uh, police escorted us from Fort Lauderdale, and it still took us like thirty minutes to get up there. And Fort Lauderdale like, is about twenty five yeah. thirty minutes north of Miami on a good day. Right, and it was closer. So like. No joke. But anyway, I mean, did, so, did TV capture just how many Michigan State fans were there and what the the crowd was like? I mean, it was one. It was easily a third Michigan State fans. I would say more than that. Okay. I mean, just for, I was kind of sitting, you know, in the lower bowl. Yeah. And like I was trying not to like exaggerate it, right? Where you get there, you're like it's half Michigan State fans, and then they're like, yeah, no, no, it wasn't, but. Uh, I mean, it was easily over a third, and they were just dominating the whole atmosphere there because they were so much more fired up. They were so much more into it. You know, everyone's all – it was a noon game, and, you know, Michigan State folks, as I think they tend to, they started pretty damn early. And uh, right. I got to meet a number <laughs> of fans coming over, introducing themselves. There were no issues, which is a good thing, but uh, <laughs> lots of introductions. I, I have one story. This is amazing. So on the flight out, Right, I sit down, and uh, I'm on the aisle seat. Guy gets on the plane and is like, uh, "Hey, hey, Brendan, just want to say, you know, I like your writing." I'm like, "Hey, thanks, man. You know, that's very cool when people are are nice enough to say something like that." Um, and he sits down. He's a younger guy. I think he said he was like 19 out of MSU. He's sitting next to a youngish lady who is. This is an evening flight. She is ready to get off of this plane and go right to the club. Like you're dolled, goddamn right, dolled up. <laughs> like I don't think she was like a Michigan State person. She was just a woman by herself in going to Miami. Ready to roll. Let's just yeah. let's just say attire that you don't wear on a plane, on an airplane. It, yeah. yeah. So I think she might have had a few in her as well, and uh, proceeds to start going at my guy over here. Oh, you know, sh- trying to trying to vibe on the plane, and I'm going <laughs> looking back. I'm trying to monitor this situation. They end up talking for like three hours on the flight, and I'm like, "Hey, bud, you gotta you gotta DM me and let me know how this story ends." He has not gotten back to me. So if this <laughs> dude, if you are out there, I need you to message me and tell me what the hell happened. Once well, you now got you off put him flight. on the podcast, so now we gotta find out. I mean, I would <laughs> loop him in with Mike if I could, but I don't have his information. 
I, I, I would get him on because I want to find out. I want to find out where they went, how long they talked, and, and yeah, every right. detail. Or if they're still talking. Or yeah. still together. But then at the stadium, you know, the fans are, you know, Michigan State folks were rocking and uh, and rolling. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they had a great presence in the parking lot. I didn't see any problems. It was a good thing. It was a noon game, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that lower bowl was just rocking uh, with Michigan State fans. And I was, I mean, I caught some shit for not wearing any colors, but uh, I think everyone understood. So it was good. So let me ask Mike here as a uh, Miami supporter who watches the Canes very closely. Um, Miami obviously has its issues, Mike, and, and Manny Diaz is in some trouble here. But from a Michigan State standpoint, when you knew about Michigan State, because obviously you know this show, when you we talked about this two weeks ago on here, and I said that you were probably going to be chewing glass going into this game. I, I think Michigan State's pretty good in areas that are good enough to really, really make Miami a sloppy team, like really, really sloppy. Am I reading this right from your perspective as a Miami uh, person here? I, th- I think it more comes down to anytime Miami plays a physical team, they're going to get beat yeah. up. Because once, once they get punched in the mouth, they fold. And I, I think we saw that after the first quarter, Michigan State, especially, especially Kenneth Walker, was breaking every single tackle. I mean, it looked like Miami wasn't even trying to hit, you know, hit him at least that on the line of scrimmage. It, it, it just, and, and for something like that, that's been going on for years and years and years. It's a culture problem, and it starts. Right. I, I, mean, I wouldn't say it starts with the head coach because I think Miami's problems start in administration and the board of trustees, and until they actually care, oh, nothing's going to change. <laughs> but You're damn right, all the way. But up. I think <laughs> know how these things go. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the frustrating thing where it's like yeah. we've seen these problems for years and years and years. And that's why I could tell you before every single game, I could tell you exactly how it's going to go. Nothing is yeah. going to surprise me because nothing's changed and nothing will change. So, I mean, it's it's just it, it's pulled the it's like sucked the life out of me because I don't even care anymore. You know, I told it, it, you it, that the Canes should have hired Mel Tucker uh, last week. didn't I? I, I think I think that would have been a ace. <laughs> Pretty good. A, a, a smart move, yes. <laughs> but I think it all stems back to the whole Miami is cheap thing. And right, they probably yeah, they've got pu- issues. How, how sure. much does Mel Tucker make a year? He's making a lot. Michigan State had to pay a lot of money, and that's like the issue. Miami would never do that. That no one's talking about right now because it's like, you know, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. They promised him a lot. We'll see if they can deliver on it all, I guess. You, it's all you, done, you, you yeah. look at the past Miami hires. Larry Coker, right, yeah. in-house. Randy Shannon in-house then you go al golden temple head coach you're not going to have to pay a lot of money and they hired diaz in like five minutes in the cover of night or whatever the the only smart hire they made was mark richt and that was only because that was him coming coming home to miami where he played under howard schnellenberger and it was also because georgia was kind of like yeah we're done with this Mm -hmm. so it was almost like he kind of fell into their laps and even with that mark richt hired his son as QB coach and that was the downfall of the offense anyway. So even with the smart hire, they still couldn't get it right. And and okay. it's well, un- until Miami got... acts like a five-time national championship program and decides to spend money, it's going it to be the same carousel going around and round. Did Rick get fired? Yeah. No, he, reti- he No, he retired, I thought. He he retired because 
there was pressure put on him saying you need to make a change on the offensive side of the ball and Dear he wasn't going God. to fire okay. his son. Okay. So okay. he stepped down. So uh, long story short, Mike, impressed with the Spartans? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, what's, the, absolutely. Uh, what's the opposing view there? I mean, yeah, you, you right. look at you look at a Mel Tucker program that when he came in, it was the worst time to come in, right? What was it a month yeah. before the pandemic started? Right. Had no yes. time. Had no time to recruit. Had no time to practice. Had no time for anything. And they've still turned it around in less time than what Miami's doing in Manny Diaz's third year. And the thing is, from a Miami point of view, everybody was making excuses for Manny Diaz. You got to give him time. It takes time to change these things. And I agree yeah, to right. an, I agree exactly. to an extent, but it also shows that it can happen under right. the worst circumstances in less time. So I, you can I give think, yourself a shot. You can give yourself a shot. And right? I think like, I think that, that yeah. I think that I think you need to credit Mel Tucker and his staff for what he, what they've been able to do in such short time, and, and and under these circumstances. Yeah, great point. Great point. Well, we're going to talk Michigan State, Miami here, Mike. If you want to stay, you don't have to. But I figured we want to get. <laughs> Get your Miami vending off your chest there if you want to do nothing else today. Because well, for, for the good for there. for your listeners, I'll probably have to you know I'll I'll hop off because I do have uh, some <laughs> other things to work on and they don't really want to hear me. I vent. got a question though: is okay. is okay. is the lack of a home field advantage like a constant talking point? Yes, among constant. folks, they don't yes, even do yeah. the they don't do the intro. They don't do the smoke no. anymore. Oh my no, god, no, they do. I oh, oh really? no, they don't do the song. No, no Collins. You know, I they play it wasn't it during on this warm-ups. game because I got pissed. I they 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 play it during warmups, maybe not during the actual because <laughs> because what they do the um the fight song when they came out during the smoke. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, I the, the home field advantage in the stadium is a huge problem, but yeah. again, it, long time. the university itself doesn't want to pay for a, a, an on-campus stadium, and I would also say. I don't know if there's enough room on campus. No, probably not. not and th- there, that's no. why they were playing on the site of the Orange Bowl for so long because this right. uh, the Orange Bowl wasn't on campus either, but it was so much closer to campus. It was in the heart of Miami. And that's and, where the pro player is at right now, right? No, the, that, no that's where the Mar- pro player is. Or whatever right the hell, the Marlins. With the, the Marlins, Marlins are playing on the site of the, the Orange Bowl site. Of yeah. the Orange Bowl. Yeah. And it's it's hard to to get top recruits in South Florida mm-hmm. when you're playing in front of nobody when you're playing 45 minutes away from campus it's just the game day atmosphere doesn't compare to any yeah. of these other power five schools it's a huge disadvantage recruiting I mean and and nowadays I I saw somebody make a point and I'm sure none of your listeners want to hear about Miami at this point but I think this well is, I mean this this is an interesting point which I think kind of would relate to your Michigan fans is that recruits nowadays are are born in what 2003 at this point right this none, was, yeah, none yeah. of them know who ed reed sean taylor exactly. let alone the 80s and 90s miami teams they don't even know about ken dorsey willis mcgahee so right. you know none of that works in recruiting anymore you can't tell them oh do you remember these days we're you know we're working on building back to this none of them know about that so no. it's almost like you're starting from square one you've got no you know Nothing in your back pocket to show these people. Besides the the two ESPN thirty for thirties on the U, you, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know they don't know anything about Miami at this point, and that's a huge problem. Well, what they do know and did see is Michigan State come down there and walk off the bus and beat them thirty eight seventeen. And so, for recruiting purposes for Michigan State, this was a very productive, huge, 
and um, beneficial trip, and which is why, um, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Mel Tucker started rotating the lines, right? He started rotating those offensive lines so that when they got into the heat down here in this Miami game, they had enough. This was it. We talked about this last week, Brandon. Biggest game of his tenure to this point right mm-hmm. here. He knew it, and I think he knew it all offseason. Like, if we do nothing else, we are going to look good in South Florida on that day in September because we are going to sell ourselves down there. And, and that's and, what they did. And on the flip side, what Miami was known for during its peak was they were so well conditioned in the heat that any team that came right. to South Florida would struggle Good and Miami, Miami would execute and take advantage of that. And the fact is, a team from Michigan who mm-hmm. has never experienced, I would say, what, 90% of the roster has never experienced heat like not that like ever? That. No, not even close. Came down not, and not, no. dominated the game. And yeah. that's dominated. a problem as well. Dominated. Like how on your home field, what would they average? Two yards a carry on the ground, right? Two point, they had two, what, two interceptions, two fumbles. Like, I mean, they were manhandled. Yeah. And, that, and I, I mean, it. it's a whole roster issue. Mm-hmm. It's a whole program issue. It's a whole institution issue. And until right. it starts, you know, unless changes are made from the very, very top and they decide they want to shell out money for an actual AD and an actual head coach, it's not going to change. So, well, that's enough, uh, Mike's uh, musings on Miami. I do think we should make this a weekly segment, though. I love it. If it becomes relevant for us, but anyway, Mike's got work to do. So, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. No, next time you're on, we're going to get into the president's office. We're going to get into <laughs> the regents or whatever is really going on down there. Uh, if, you if, if you want, we can. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll All right. Talk, thanks, guys. See you, See you boss. See you. So, uh, this game, though, you said it, Brandon, and I want to stick on this one. We'll start with this one, which was a bigger one this weekend. And we'll talk Michigan, Michigan State here in a minute. But mm-hmm. Michigan State, uh, their plan was perfect. They did exactly what I think they intended to do in this one. Uh, didn't get too carried away with anything on offense, let Walker dictate everything. And then, yeah, when I went back over the tape offensively, everything they did, you know, made sense logically. It set something up, and they were winning at the point of attack. They were winning blocks. Um, yeah, I mean, it was clear midway through the game. Because when I was watching it live, I was watching it at the Michigan I was in Ann Arbor, so I was watching it sort of right. know, one eye here, one eye there. And I saw the first quarter and a half, and I thought the line of scrimmage was pretty even. And I knew Miami has talent, because Miami has talent. Um, but... The first play of the second half was like a 30-yard gain or something like that from Walker. Right. As that quarter wore on, you could tell. It was like, okay, Michigan State's got this. And it went exactly how they wanted it to go. I think it was exactly what they needed at the exact right time. Had to be couldn't, – couldn't be looked at any other way. Yeah, just – I think they just kind of – they did a great job of kind of swinging the momentum their way and then just not letting it go. Yeah. I mean, you know, anytime Miami tried to get anything going, it would just be – you know, another kind of either they would stub their own toes or right or Michigan State would kind of make things happen. And like, I, I Kenneth Walker gets so much attention right now, obviously, and as he yeah. should. But like, I don't think you can't say enough about Peyton Thorne right no, now. No, that's I mean, what this I was guy. Going, yeah, you know, right. in the beginning of the season, going into that first show, we were, I think we both thought Russo was going to start. We both said, you know, if you want to win now, right, go with the experienced right. guy who's done it at a high level and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, this dude is not only winning games, but. You know, I like the fact that he, I mean, he is, he, thro- he throws the ball downfield, right? Yeah. This is, he's not thinking and dunking and, and bullshit no, he's and not blah, afraid. blah, blah, you know. He doesn't turn the ball over. He, he, 
he has weapons and utilizes them, right? It's not Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor just like streaking down the field with their arms nope. like in the air, just begging yep. for it, right? I mean, if, if if they're down there, he he gets the ball to them. So, um, I mean, across the board right now, you know, I'd like to see them play a, a better team, obviously. Yeah, I mean, right. This Miami team might be a complete train wreck, and I don't know what how this is going to well, sure. stand. Yeah, right. But I mean, for all the and it's also September, right? Put in yeah, front of them, right. they've 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 passed with flying colors. Yeah, and I think that that's important to note. Like Thorn, you know, we talked about the only way you give him that job in that scenario are two reasons: one, if Russo is horrible, and two, if Thorn is somebody that you're like, we got to play this kid. We you know we right. have no choice. And it's I think it was probably as much the latter. I don't know if Russo was terrible in camp, but like. He's not turning it over, and he sees the field so well. Like, that was what I noticed and keep notice watching him. He picked up two first downs with his feet in this game on mm-hmm. third downs simply because he knew more about what was going on with the 21 other players around him than the other guys on the other side of the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, he mm-hmm. had better awareness of everything, the box, the second level, and the third level in both of those instances. And it's something that we don't see a lot of from college quarterbacks anymore. We see guys panic. We see guys roll out, you know, right? If the first read's not there, the second read's not there, a lot of times in college football, that's it. It's Now it's up to you. Go. With Thorne, it's like it's not panicking. Like he's – I think he has a really good understanding of football. And and while I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's – like I don't think he's as talented as like Connor Cook was. I I think Connor Cook was – had a better – a bigger arm and just physically was a bigger, you know, better athlete. But like – He's certainly not a slouch in any of those departments. He's good enough to get the job done. But really, I think the thing that's got him here and is going to keep him here is that he's a really smart player. And I think that also is filtering out to the rest of the team because they don't make stupid decisions. Like this was, we talked about that too last week, right? Classic Michigan State football. Just go in there, cut it exactly how you want it cut. Let them screw it up. And yeah. then walk out of here with a win, and that's exactly what they fucking did. There's no other way to look at it. Exactly what they did, all the way. Yeah, hell of a showing. So I mean, moving forward here, right? I mean, now yeah, this right. thing is this this has all the momentum that you could hope for, and this has you know good vibes, good good everything. You know, they are they've outscored opponents 118 to 52 uh, through three yeah, weeks. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and now it's a Nebraska team that I don't. I didn't see any of that Oklahoma game. I don't know what the hell. I didn't know what to make of that score. Uh, but I yeah. did watch them play earlier this season. And I'm like, so Scott Frost is just not going to make it to October. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think. I think that. <laughs> so this is weird, right? Because he might not make it to October, but it's September 22nd, and if he's got the last shot, this is it. This might be it, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, I think we'll find out. To your point, like, because I think the Oklahoma game might have been. A little bit of Oklahoma playing like like crap because I think they have done that a couple times this year. But also, maybe a little bit of Nebraska being like, we're trying to like save ourselves here. This is Oklahoma. Like this is a big deal. Right. Like it used to be a big deal anyway to the people around here. Maybe that was part of it. And I do wonder like, does that mean that they got so close and are now completely deflated and have nothing left already and are just like screw it? We're just waiting for them to get fired. Or are they like, no, we're really close, and we actually think that we're going to turn this around, and no one thinks he's getting fired, and we're going to come out here and show you guys. Because I think we're sure. still sort of, for whatever reason, and I don't think we need to be, because I think this we all know where this is going, but you're still sort of waiting to see, like, is Frost going to do anything here? Is anything right. going to happen? 
Or is it just going to be like a complete disaster, full stop, all the way across with no Both signs of, of life? Him like, and Hoiberg, what? they hired two. <laughs> they hired two like golden boys who are going to be. Mm-hmm. They, they, those two might as well Thelma and Louise their way out of that town right now. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, I mean, right? And they fired Miles for him. You're yeah, right. right. Like I, I don't like. That's my thing with Frost. It's same thing. It's like. They have some guys on that team that can play. Their center, I clipped, uh, or uh, Duke Mayweather, a great follow on Twitter, offensive lineman, I tweeted about it the other day. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I remember him from recruiting. He's awesome. They've got some players on that team that can play, (laughs) right? Like, it's not a bunch of garbage on the team. They're not, like, the best team in the league, but they have talent on the team. Their their talent stack, if you look at the 24-7, the star rankings, everything else, and how everything else shakes out. I mean, they won some recruiting battles with Frost. And so I know they yeah. have guys on that team. And that's why it's an interesting test for Tucker and these guys because Michigan State still, I think, doesn't have a really big margin for error uh, with its talent. I think that they're certainly much more talented than they were. And I think defensively even more so. I think everyone's fixated on Walker's um you know, a rival, and rightly so. I mean, he's been awesome. Sure. And he's been their best player, no question. But defensively, I just think for what they were doing last year, they've added more, and they're faster, and, like, yeah, I mean, like, they've got a chance to, to sort of do something here, I think, and, and be a team that nobody really wants to play, but we have to see it here in this game at night, and you got to kind of play like it, because I think people are now expecting you to win this game, and I think that that's maybe a different mindset, too. You know, and I, I think it's worth pointing out just how much their schedule is falling their way, right? I mean, they, this Nebraska game's put at a night game, right? Which obviously is turns what's already an advantage into a, a greater advantage, right? And, you know, yeah. state fans are certainly going to be feeling themselves after this start, and now you get a oh, night yeah, I would game think so. that you're favored mm-hmm. in. I mean, that place is going to be frothy. Yeah, party right? time. Yeah. Then you, get, <laughs> you, get, so. you yeah. get Western Kentucky in another night game, and then yes. you get your at Rutgers in a noon game, Right. Right. And and then you get Indiana, another noon game. That's all on the road. Games. But by that point, Indiana will have played Penn State, and they could they'll you know they've already struggled early. Loss yeah. like the air out of that balloon right. a little bit of what was looking like you know I don't know how. It, look, it's Indiana football, right? Like if yeah, if, that's they go a and, if they go and get pounded, it's supposed to be a good team, and they have talent, and Tom Allen's a hell of a coach. But if they go and get pounded by Penn State, right? What's that noon game looking like? When they got three losses right. and the the juice from the preseason is is kind of gone a little bit, right? Like this is working out really well, and then oh, you yeah. get a bye week before Michigan if you're for Michigan State. Yeah, they, those are all winnable games, and they could go into that bye without a loss. They could, but I will say again, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way because they have a tendency to do that sometimes with me. I don't know why. <laughs> But I, I do think you have to continue to play this kind of mistake-free. You do have to play mistake-free football on offense. Like, they have to continue to play offensive football the way that they're doing it, which has been really good. Like, really, really good. But it's been also, it's been pretty darn clean. And I, can you keep that up, I guess, would be my, my question. Yeah. Is, that, is that consistency yeah. going to stay there? Like, I think Walker translates. I think Walker's speed and the things he can do in, like, a tight window will be fine in the Big Ten. Like, he'll be able to find yards and do the things that we saw him do in that Miami game. You know, is Thorne going to continue to make the right decisions with the ball every time? You know, is his accuracy going to be where it needs to be? 
and can you pass block against better fronts that are going to be able to do something to you? So there's still a lot of questions there, but if they can play mistake-free football, yeah, I think they can get there. But it's like mm-hmm. every one of those games, is they could lose it too. Western Kentucky actually has enough <laughs> to come in and, you know, if they're not – sure you know, hitting it. And Tucker's always over there doing the chop wood thing. Like, if they're not always over chopping the wood, man, like, mm-hmm. it falls apart really fast. And I think that that's the situation Michigan State's in right here. And it needs to stay hyper-focused as long as you can take it. And if they can keep it in this groove, then I think they've got a chance because it's they're, they're exactly where they want to be, the team that nobody wants to play because suddenly you're an uncomfortable team to play because you're physical yeah. and you're organized and you're disciplined. And if you are those three things in college football, all the three three things a team like Mike's Miami Hurricanes are mm. not, your talent doesn't mean shit because if you are not organized, not disciplined, and not physical, what sport are you playing? I don't, right. you know, not football. So Mill Tucker's got, they've got the other three down, and I think that that's going to carry them in a lot of games this year that maybe otherwise we would have seen as, like, they could win that game, but also, like, they could get their ass kicked in that game. So that point remains, but I think you, you can be a little more optimistic about all those swing games, you know, when you look at it here at sure. 30,000 feet. Uh, let's, uh, let's touch on the uh, Michigan Wolverines yeah. before we'll get into kind of what you're buying and selling on, on each of these two. Um, so yeah. coming off, I didn't see any of the Northern Illinois game, but obviously just murder ball. A thrashing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> 63 to 10, and now Rutgers yeah, right. at home. Is, is this homecoming in Ann Arbor? I, I it might I be. Think, it, I think it is. It might be homecoming, yes. Yeah. It might be. So, you know, um, Rutgers, and then and then it's the Wisconsin game, right? We, we talked in the preseason about just get, you know, yeah. getting to the Wisconsin game and, and, and then go yes. kind of get a test. But, you know, right now – Rolling this along. was a this wasn't a nothing game. I don't think for Michigan this Northern Illinois game, and I'll s- tell you why. I I said this to somebody Saturday actually. Like the 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 breather game during the Harbaugh era, the like Mac game or whatever. Like if he has an offensive line that's the real deal, they maul that team. And if he has an offensive line that's not the real deal, they screw around with that team, and it ends up being like something that it's not supposed to be far longer than it needs to be. Right, so. In this case, what I was looking for was, are you going to go out there and maul them? Are you going to go out there and leave no doubt? And that's, <laughs> I mean, they scored like, I think every time they touched the ball, uh, you, everybody saw the numbers. It was complete carnage. I think Michigan's offensive line is has a chance to be hit the best Harbaugh's had here. Um, huh. and, and Harbaugh's had really good offensive lines here. And I think that that gets lost a lot. Um, you know, his 2018 offensive line had... Shoot, I think well, John Runyon started last night for the Packers against the Lions. I think it was like three or four NFL starters on it. Um, the 2019 line had at least that many. Um, Cesar Ruiz, Mayfield was at first, you know, an early round pick. Bredesen's, I think, just got signed somewhere. So you've got Unwayne Yu is playing great. He's had good lines. And, like, I think this one has a chance to stack up because, I mean, like, you, you look at a guy like Ryan Hayes, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinner. These are really, really good athletes that I think are – probably better athletes than some of the guys that we see, that we think about from those other lines or you know or at least higher end higher mm-hmm. ceiling athletes maybe that it's starting to click for them and they're certainly playing with a lot of confidence and their center the Stardis, is like maybe the smartest player in college football i mean he just doesn't make mistakes and i think that this offensive line right. has a chance to be very very good and for michigan it has to be as we talked about and that's the takeaway because there's been no slouching here. I mean, they have hammered everybody that's been put in front of them. They've blocked all fronts. They've, 
if you've stacked the box, they block that too, doesn't matter. And everything's been aggressive and assertive and downhill, and they haven't come up for air, and they're not messing around. And I, you know, you know me, I watch I watch these lines pretty close. Like, this one looks yeah. like it has a chance to be pretty good, I think. So we'll see. Hmm. But, like, that's my biggest takeaway from from the first three here is... You haven't been you haven't been tested because you've been beating the shit out of people. <laughs> like I think that that's that's the situation that I see in the front seven watching Michigan's offensive line right now, and I think that that's a good thing for them overall. So when you get you know you hear that thing yesterday about Harbaugh saying you know we're just trying to move the ball like that's their best way of moving the ball, and it's what you got to keep doing. Yeah, I mean, it's I feel like Michigan State you have a little bit more reason for kind of you know going and winning on the road like that where like Michigan it's you're almost just in a holding pattern in terms yeah, of like right. buy in you know what I mean right because there's a ton of other questions and that hasn't been proven yet like right. they have a chance to be you know his best line doesn't mean they're going to do it like I think they you know a guy like Keegan I think is further ahead than I thought he would be which is why you know I'm sort of changed you know Zinter is exactly where they hoped he would be I think and Hayes is exactly where they hoped he would be, and that's all great stuff. But that has to translate this week against a team like Rutgers, who brings back a ton of players. And I think they have some suspensions uh, here. As I think oh, Rutgers. No, that's, that's the Rutgers <laughs> I, I know. So I think <laughs> Rutgers is going to be short some players here. I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I did see some tweets. Wasn't this like a regular that. occurrence um, under Shiano yeah, last time? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, well, it, it, right was, all back. it was about, it back. well, I don't know if it was about Shiano. It was a big problem with Kyle Flood. Okay. Um, that's maybe what it I'm was with Shiano. I don't know. Yeah. But this was a suspension situation here. So a couple guys are going to be out. But Rutgers still brought back a lot of guys from last year's team, uh, you know, that are at least Big Ten players. So, I mean, you're going to have, you know, a challenge from that standpoint, a team that's going to give you a fight. Um, so you got to block this one. And then, yeah, the big one really is the Wisconsin game. I, I think they have a chance to show people in that game as an offensive line, like, this isn't what you think it is. This isn't what your immediate. Oh, God, you know, like the rug pull, here we go again. Like, And if Michigan can show that, it's going to be the line doing it. They're the ones that are going to be showing all these people, like, this isn't what you think it is because we aren't going to let this be what you think it is, right? Right. That, to me, is what changes Michigan's season. When I've looked at this this whole offseason, when I've talked about it the way that I've talked about it with the offensive line, if they get to where they want to go this year and surprise people, it's going to be because those five up front said we're not allowing anything different. We have playmakers on this team. You've seen the speed. We need to give our quarterback time to get them the ball, and we need to give these guys behind us space to create. They've done that. If they do that throughout, Michigan's going to be a really hard team to play against. And that, you know, no matter where their defense is, if you can't stop the run, I don't give a shit what level of football you're playing. Sure. You're not winning. And so, like, that's where this boils down to. Look at Ohio State right now. You know, you you could go down there and maybe get an interview for defensive coordinator uh, at, the, at this rate with the way that the the damn turnstile is rolling. But like, I mean, right. if you can't stop the run, you got problems. Michigan's causing problems for people. I think those are real. But as always, I think Harbaugh said the other day, no one's taking a bow here. They need to continue to sort of show it, especially there. I think this week, but you know, in two weeks for sure. Yeah, I mean, do we know anything about Rutgers' front, if they could actually slow things down and force Michigan into something uh, well, resembling? Mike, Michael Dwumfor's okay, gone. Um, so he was actually the guy, that the Michigan player that transferred there. Yep. Um, Dwumfor. Yep. He, he's Big in the NFL boy. now, or at least he was in the camp. So he's gone, so that would have actually helped uh, Rutgers. I, I think Michigan should be able to move the ball in this game. Like, I think that they should be able to go into this game and dictate 
how they want to play and block everything that they need to block. And if it turns into a situation where Rutgers wants to stack and take away the run and they're just giving a bunch of easy throws and they take a bunch of passing yardage, then I don't want to hear people come to me and say that the line sucked because they took a bunch of passing yardage. So, like, I, I don't know how it's going to work. Right. But keep that in mind, too, as we go forward here, right? Michigan's offense still has options, and they, they're they still in place, you know, in, in place with the line playing the way it is to take the best option every single play as you go throughout a game. Is there still that dynamic of uh, – there was, there was for a minute there, there was some kind of weird juice between Michigan and uh, Rutgers. I mean, Where like, is that now? Probably. Is, is, like, do you – here's probably. a question. Like, what yeah. the hell's uh, – What's Rutgers, rec- What's Rutgers' record right now? Where, where, where are they at? I don't think they've lost yet. I don't think they've lost yet. I think they're under yeah, they're three. They're three and zero. Oh. The the yeah. question being, like, the dynamic of Michigan State going to Miami and getting a win for a second year coach. Oh, yeah, that, right. I, that like cements 100%. what he's got building right now. Well, sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, like, right. 100%. Rutgers Rutgers comes out to Ann thing. Arbor, gets a win. It's the same exact thing. Right. And it's recruiting again, and it's the same thing in reverse because Michigan State is going to recruit against Miami a, a shitload. They're going right. to, and they already are, right? Like they're going to recruit against Miami. That's a that's why you schedule the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Michigan and Rutgers, like Rutgers, his whole thing is about keeping the big boys out of New Jersey and the teams right. historically that have gone in there. And we've talked about this on the show for years. Like the state of New Jersey is this just like wild west, uh, including you know Philadelphia. There is just yeah. like the wild west of college recruiting no one has a real alliance to a team up there it's just like whoever comes in here and and so often it's ohio state alabama clemson michigan penn state come in there and just right. raid the cupboard and so yeah if you're shiano you're trying to harbaugh's not as aggressive up there as he once was like he's not trying to colonize new jersey recruiting like he did there for a minute mm-hmm. um but they're still there all the time and you know i think that that's the thing for shiano where i think that you know, he also has that weird allegiance with Urban Meyer, so he probably isn't. He's probably trying to, <laughs> probably trying to keep his program hating Michigan in some way, shape or form, too. Uh, but no, from a recruiting standpoint, yeah, this is a huge <laughs> game for Rutgers. Huge game for Rutgers. Like every time a big time kid comes through there that they want to have a shot with, they're going to have to fight with Michigan, and they're going to have to fight with Ohio State and Penn State, right. and so on and so forth. So every time they come out here, if they want, I mean, if Shiano's serious about this, which he is. Crazy or not, you know this is this is one of your season makers. Let's go on the road and win one over there. Like that's that'd be pretty crazy, right? <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Huh? That's so that's yeah. I think that's Michigan, a big one for Michigan's won six straight, six straight in the series. Uh, yeah, they uh, they did lose the one there uh, in Piscataway yeah. in uh, 2014. The night game, right? I, w- I was in the house for that one. Yeah, <laughs> the night rushed, game. It was where they rushed. <laughs> they the rushed field, the right? field. Oh, they did right. rush the field. Um, I believe. <laughs> I believe we had interviews. Yeah, that was a whole. That was a scene. Gary Nova threw for like 450 <laughs> yards. Yeah. I could say some other things about that night, but I won't. I'll, I'll leave, yeah. Those, yeah. leave those where they are. <laughs> Weird stuff happens. But anyway, yeah, that is, that is always does. That is I think in I've all been sports like, in all sports. I saw this the when the year Michigan beat them 80 to nothing or whatever. Yes. Um this game actually reminded a little bit. It was funny. Uh, in that game, the year that they beat Michigan, or Michigan beat them 85 or whatever it was to nothing, uh, Chad Shepard, um, son of mm-hmm. Tigers announcer Matt Shepard, who's one of Michigan's yeah. uh, SIDs and does a terrific job, 
was doing all the stats that night, and the and the ESPN PA guy kept the production assistant kept running over to Chad every like seven seconds during that game. Is that a record? Is that a record? Is that a record? Is that a record? And it, this actually was happening in this game a little bit because uh, there were some records being set. So, a little bit of throwback there, but. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, for those curious, only because I brought it up and didn't have an answer, Rutgers' three wins are Temple, Syracuse, and uh, the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. I don't know if they they might have dropped Fighting. Now that I think of it, they're just but the they're blue still hens. the Fighting Blue Hens in heart and spirit. Yeah. Right. Of course. Well, not a nothing game, but certainly one that at this point you should be. Michigan's got confidence, right? Like some of the questions we had early in the season were about: Are you going to be confident when you go into games? Like if yeah. you weren't confident entering a game like this. You know, you could absolutely get beat, and I, you know, I this team seems to be in a better place mentally. Michigan State too, and you know, we've been hearing a lot of people chirping already here about who's better than who or whatever. But I think the point that I would take away here is that both teams, through their first three games, got everything they wanted accomplished. Accomplished, I think. I think if right. you had to say, I don't know what the list would be, but if you had to take Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker with the truth needle. On August 1st and said, if you can only have five things or whatever that happen in these first three games, like I would bet that those five got checked off for both guys, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. that would be in these first three. This is exactly how you want it to start. I mean, and your offseason changes and tweaks and additions in both places seem to be exactly what the program and team needed. Like, perfect. Walker, perfect fit for what Michigan yeah. State does. You know, everything Michigan did with its staff so far is looks perfect, right? So uh, we'll see. Keep it going. But so far, everything looks like it's healing itself, uh, which is what you want uh, from both places that needed it, for sure. Um, so if they were playing each other, yeah. that Marl. game this year is in East Lansing. <laughs> I would say right now it would – I would put the line – In East Lansing? Yeah. In East Lan- if the game would be in East Lansing, I would say the line would be oh, God, Michigan yeah. State giving. It'd two, be like a push three, yeah. which would, which at home which is, is basically a push on a neutral a push, yeah, neutral field. Right. right? I mean, it'd be it'd be pretty much a push, I would think, uh, on a neutral site. Yeah, and I think you would take Michigan State in that situation, um, mm-hmm. as things are today, based on everything that we've seen, because the difference is going to be this. The thing that I want to see as we go forward, and this is this is the whole game for Michigan, Michigan and Michigan State. How does Michigan State's defensive front continue to get better? And how does Michigan's offensive line continue to prove that it's real? Whoever wins that, as we, I mean, it's you can say whatever you want. Whoever wins that in that game is winning the game. You can mark it down on September 21st today mm-hmm. as we're talking. Like, whoever wins... Michigan's offensive line against Michigan State's defensive line is winning the football game. That's mm. how that's going to go. Based on how these teams are playing. I mean, like, I think that Michigan State absolutely has what it needs to move the ball and gain yards on Michigan and score enough points to win the game. Michigan can make that a moot point if they can take the ball and shove it down Michigan State's throat, right? So, I mean, I think sure. that that's... If you're looking at it today, based on all the evidence we have, um, if nothing else changes, I think that that's that's how I would look at it. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, people want to talk about who's better than who or whatever. Like, I mean, I think that's all relative, and I, I don't know if you can make the apples-to-apples comparison. You know, the Corum versus Walker debate is not one that I'm particularly keen on getting into, although I would say right. that I would say Corum is the best back in terms of vision, short area quickness, and all that. 
that Harbaugh's had at Michigan. Absolutely. And he's had good players here. It's not like he's had slouches. Um, and then Walker is, I'm telling you, he's perfect for what they run a run. He ran that slow read stuff at Wake Forest where the quarterback, you know, took forever. It was part of the design where the quarterback zone reads would take forever. They would take like a beat longer than a normal one. So both he and the back would sort of stand there and watch everything unfold in front of them. And you can see now with these cuts that he, this kid makes, mm-hmm. is he sees everything. He sees all five gaps the minute that, you know, the, the, the play starts. So, I mean, his vision is legit. And his ability to sort of see people coming at him before they're coming at him, set a blocker, you know, set a tackler up two moves ahead. He's doing that. Yeah. So he is a, a legit football player. But not only that... I think like Michigan State's just using him perfectly. He's a perfect fit for what they needed. Their offensive line is not elite, but it's good enough, I think. And it's getting better, but it's good enough to where there were open yards last year that the backs weren't getting. That right. when you looked at the numbers as it all fell through, Michigan State's offensive line numbers were bad last year. They actually went down in some areas where you would have said they, they shouldn't have gone down here. But when you look back at it, you know, I talked about this with Colton a bunch, their backs weren't finding they were missing holes and they weren't generating anything after contact. They weren't, they weren't helping. So it was just find somebody that can make them look better than they are because they're actually better than you think that they are. And that might end up being a pretty good thing. If that makes any sense, that rant I just said there, but yeah, that's, that's sort of where I see it. I think that both are in a really good spot and both quarterbacks are similar in that they're smart and that they're not rushed and that they're seeing everything. Um, You know, I don't know. Born, I think, is certainly throwing the ball downfield better. Uh, although McNamara had a big one there last week too, so you can't really yeah. ding him much for that either. I mean, you know, you can't count that out either. They were able to get Cornelius Johnson a big play um, in that game, which was huge to keep him sort of engaged, and involved because he is a really, really good player that we haven't seen a lot from yet, and he's not going to be showcased in this offense the way that you know maybe a kid like that probably would like to be, and you need to keep him. Happy, I I think, so to speak. So a lot of things going well right now for both sides. I can't, I don't know how you nitpick any of it. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, I feel like uh, we should probably leave things on this uh, Mel Tucker quote from today. This is from our friend Matt Matt Wenzel, who says uh, Tucker was asked about addressing success and a 3-0 start. And Tucker said that he asked uh, his players yesterday how three and nine feels or how three and nine sounds. And yeah, I think that's a pretty good perspective there. Because if you put a gun to my head right now and said, is there any chance that uh, either of these teams doesn't finish three and nine? I'd be like, no, I mean, maybe who knows? He could blow it. God damn. I bet he said it with a straight face and he didn't even crack a smile. And he was like, it's probably like, I just told them how does three and nine sound. Okay, right? And then That's good shit on. there. That is good <laughs> That's shit That's a great there. quote. That's a perfect one to end it on. I love it. you got to get back to the Ryder Cup anyway. So. I do. Big I do. weekend coming up here. Two big ones. We'll be back next week, and we'll break that all down in more detail. But Brendan's up against the clock here. Yeah. Bill, on we uh, go. Anyone wondering, I'm taking the European team this week. And, uh, yeah. Not for lack of patriotism. It's for uh, an abundance Well, it's of also that. Sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> Well, we appreciate appreciate everyone listening. We will be back next week. Uh, get out there, support your local restaurants, and tip your bartenders and servers.